I'm Talib Vizram and you're listening to Fast Break, your weekly source of inspiration and motivation in these uncertain times. This week, we'll hear some spooky stories from some funny people, learn about the best workplace environments, and get in shape with a few workout tips. This is your Fast Break. Usually, when you hear about ghosts and violent crimes, it's accompanied by ominous music and dread-inducing sound effects. But my guests today have shown that you can mix spine-chilling tales with a healthy dose of humor. Creators of the And That's Why We Drink podcast, M. Schultz and Christine Schiefer, have really come up with a whole new genre of podcasting. Well, welcome to the show, M. and Christine. Thank you. Wow, that was a wonderful introduction. Uh, it's very nice to, first of all, hear us uh, be spoken of so highly. Wow. <laughs> We're flattered. But yeah. also, like, that was a wonderful intro. And it goes uphill from here as well. So. <laughs> oh, thank Excellent. God. <laughs> well, I guess the first question, why paranormal activities and true crime and horror? Uh, that became our first mutual interest when we became friends. So it just kind of fit hand in hand that since that's what we talked about all the time behind closed doors, if we were going to start a podcast, it just made sense to continue what we were already talking about. Yeah, I think it was, we became friends kind of out of necessity, as we like to say, because we were both living in LA and kind of didn't have any other friends. And we were like, what should we talk about? And for whatever reason, the only thing we could find to talk about were death. Was death. death. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually we just put a microphone down and said, let's see what happens. And here we are. Yeah. And I guess true crime is is so big now, right? There's so many true crime podcasts. What sets you apart? I guess the paranormal aspect to it. And uh, also, I think a lot more shows are coming out with comedy, or at least trying to do their podcast in more of a lighthearted realm. And I think we might have been one of the first people to do that. We certainly weren't the first, but I think we were one of the first. So I think we just stuck out a little bit before others showed up, but there's a lot of people catching up with us and it seems to be a really successful field. Like adding the banter element, I think has become like a really popular way of talking about horrible things for whatever reason. I guess maybe there's a comfort zone or like, I'm not sure. The nervous laughter is what really sells. (laughs) That's that's actually what sets us apart, all the nervous (laughs) laughter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there is that unusual blend of horror and humor, right? So how do you maintain that balance? I would say that's, you know, that's something we didn't necessarily think about until people started asking and we were like, huh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's easier just having a paranormal element. And I think a lot of the banter kind of ends up centering around M's side of things, just because a lot of times, you know, speaking about victims or, you know, real life true crime scenarios, there isn't a lot of room for banter or, or humor necessarily. And so I think we really try to kind of focus the humor in ways that isn't disrespectful to victims yeah. or families. So we're fortunate to have, you know, ghost stories and things like that, that kind of- A cushion. A cushion. <laughs> yeah, and our, our main goal is to always try to be as respectful as possible to the victim. So that does make it a little difficult to throw jokes in during a, certain parts of story so I think a lot of the humor too is like at our own expense we like mm-hmm. to kind of joke about just ourselves and the show and like trying to figure out what we're doing and so I think a lot of the humor comes more from us talking about our day-to-day life or right. you know in our intro talking about what's why we drink that week and that kind of thing so we try to find ways to to joke around without making it at the expense of the actual <laughs> stories and victims right a little self-deprecating humor that kind oh, of yeah. thing. yeah we love that it goes a long way yeah <laughs> can't help it (laughs) (laughs) well you mentioned the drinks aspect 
Uh, and that's an important component of the show. Who decided to make boxed wine and milkshakes part of the show? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. You know, it was one of those things we were doing a late night, like brainstorming session before we started the podcast. And we had already kind of embarrassingly created a show in our minds called Eerie and Theory. And we were like, this is going to be our new podcast. And we were really frustrated and hitting some walls. And at some point, Em yelled out, that's why I drink. And it kind of like clicked. But Em doesn't drink uh, alcohol. So we were like, well, you have, you got to be drinking something. Yeah. And, uh, it actually worked well because it, it kind of, uh, the dichotomy of it allows more of the podcast listening community to feel included. Because right. if you're not, you know, someone who drinks, at least you've got milkshakes to fall back on. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Do you have a favorite flavor? I think just chocolate. I feel like a lot of people want me to have a really wild answer to that, but I'm pretty basic. So. Some people send us like suggestions of, you know, boozy milkshakes that have, you know, cakes and like tequila turned upside down. <laughs> in them. And, and we're like, no, I just want my box wine. Yeah. Everyone just wants their milkshake. Very simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And plus no one can see the, the cakes as a podcast, right? Oh, you right, right. exactly. <laughs> Though you do have a YouTube component. We have started one. Nothing uh, too wild has come out of it yet, but we currently, it's just a visual aspect to our podcast. So you can watch us at least see our facial reactions <laughs> to some of the wildness we talk about and see our banter. A lot of people have said that it's now a, a whole new perspective of getting to see how we're actually reacting versus just hearing it. So a lot of people have also said, oh, I had no idea that's what you would look like. And I'm yeah. like, are you disappointed? Or I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> so. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the tour that you were embarking on. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> for now, I guess. You know, in January, you were setting out on Here's for the Booze Tour, uh, where you were going to visit 50 cities and then the pandemic hit. How do you feel about not being able to be on tour? We're really bummed. Yeah. We worked so, so... <laughs> so hard on our tour. Um, our first tour that we did, we are also proud of that because we never thought we would tour at all, but the format is completely different in the second tour. It's actually kind of a, a hidden secret where if you come to the show, you get to really experience it. But we worked very hard on it. There's so many hours that went into it and for like two thirds of our tour to not see it yet, it's so disappointing because we hyped it up so much on the show and then nobody could come. Yeah, so. we when we canceled the first ones in Seattle, actually, right when COVID kind of hit, we were like, oh, don't worry. I'm sure we'll come back in April to right. Seattle yeah. and like, you know, we'll fix it in a few weeks or a month or two. And then now it's August. Now it's <laughs> August and we're still waiting, you know, obviously like everybody else. So yeah. it's, uh, I mean, I think we're really, we feel really fortunate that we can work from home, obviously, and do this, you know, uh, in a safe environment. But touring definitely was something that we were it was, really excited about. It was the, we have told many people, it was the, the project we've worked the hardest on in our entire lives. So yeah. <laughs> the fact that, that just kind of fell to the wayside is such a bummer. Someday. Someday. Yeah, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yes. The show is so built around drinking away your fears. And with a live audience, it almost becomes like a live drinking game. Does that it element does. still exist now? Yes. Yes. <laughs> we actually have a drinking game at our shows that's become like very integral to the experience, I would say. Yeah. And we've, we've realized whether it's people listening to the live, the live show episodes that we release or we have almost regular attendees at our live shows whenever we go to the same city. 
we have a drinking game set in place at our live shows. And, you know, in our second tour, we changed the rules a little bit, but you can hear out in the crowd, the people who came to the first show, because all of a sudden they scream drink when <laughs> they was... make up their own rules. Yeah. We, okay. we, we encourage people to make up their own rules. We're like, drink for whatever reason you need to yeah. drink. And I think with the regular episodes, you can pretty much just take that game and play along. Yeah. During Extrapolated across yeah. all formats of our show. Yeah. We're, we're pretty predictable sometimes. So. <laughs> what are, I mean, can you give us kind of like a, like an idea of, of the game of some of the rules? Huh, Em, why don't you share what your beautiful game is like? Well, I did make the rules. So it's pretty much drink anytime Christine does anything. Yeah. Um, but it's, <laughs> there's several phrases that she has. A lot of people really appreciate Christine's gasp when I really, when she gets a good reaction from my story. So okay. gasping is one. We have some built-in characters who have formed throughout the show where we've mentioned things and it kind of became a concept for the show. So if we ever mention those characters, for example, we have... Uh, Tell them about Lemon. There's a... So our fans are a very big fan of this character, Lemon. Yes. And... Um, He's my child, pretty much. Well, Christine, fa Christine found a literal Lemon when we were on tour and kind of personified it. And I got attached to this Lemon I found underneath the bed in an Airbnb. And Em told me to throw it away. And I said, okay. But instead, I, I hid it in my pocket. And, and then showed it at the next live show saying, like, oh, I didn't throw it away. And so a lot of people thought that was a really funny bit. And so then Lemon became this whole thing. And now people send us Lemon stuff like all of the time. Oh, people love wow. I thought you were about to lemon. get, I thought you were about to show me the, the Lemon. Oh, no. Oh, the, lemon is the in a glass is, case. Lemon is in a glass case. And we've had Lemon for over a year now. So he's had a birthday now. But uh, I'm not too proud of that part of the show. But everyone else seems to enjoy that I'm not proud of it. Right, so right. Any, anytime Lemon gets mentioned, people drink. I wish I drank. And I drinks would, the most. I would love lemon. to drink every yeah. time the Lemon gets mentioned. <laughs> well, we're now going to spend the rest of the show talking about this Lemon. Thank you. <laughs> it's just such a bizarre concept and it makes no sense unless you're a regular follower to the show. So it becomes this thing where you hope people know what you're talking about. And if not, you look like a crazy person. I'm happy so. to explain Lemon's existence to anyone who asks. <laughs> so uh, let me see. You talk, you're totally thrown by the lemon. I know, I I'm, I'm okay. only thinking about lemons now. Yeah, I'm, so many questions. How did it last this long? How did it keep for You're so never going to be the same. You're going to go to the kitchen, see a lemon, and be uncomfortable. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you talked a little bit about how you met kind of by necessity. Can you talk a little bit about what you both were doing before you started this and, and how you met? So we met or we became friends through necessity because we already knew of each other. Yeah. And we didn't have any other friends out here at that point. We came here through a grad program in, uh, in Boston University. I forgot our school's name for like, a second. Damn, man. <laughs> and, uh, but we, we had a grad school program that sent us out here. And after we graduated, everybody else in our program left. So we were the only two people around. And we studied TV. We so. studied TV. So we were both in different, doing different jobs in the TV world. So I was working in the art department and Christine was a writer. Yeah. So we had separate jobs, both in the quote unquote industry out here, which is its own, you know, adventure. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were both kind of struggling through the early stages of being in the entertainment industry, you know, long hours, low pay. And this was our, I think our podcast was kind of a way to vent, vent get off work at night. And it's why we drank, why the, we drank. The original reason. <laughs> and then, yeah, so we, it kind of started from there. And ironically, we both moved out here for the TV world and we both had to quit our TV jobs to, to be in radio because the podcast <laughs> became so successful. So. <laughs> Very cool. 
On one particular review, you've been described as the funniest people I've ever heard in my life without even trying. We, I saw that you, you mentioned that and I went, who said that? Because I want to give them a hug. That's a really nice thing to say. Yeah, it was on a, on a review. It sounded like you were kidding. <laughs> did, you, um, um, did you ever imagine you'd get that kind of response from your show? No, not no. at all. Still to this day, we're like, what? We, Somebody said that? We also didn't think the show, and not not meant to be a self-deprecating way, but we didn't think the show would be successful. We kind of did it as a hobby just to get to know each other. And we thought maybe our moms would listen. And that's not to say we, you know, didn't try to make it as good as possible. I think we're both the kind of people where if we do something, we want to do it right. And yeah. so, I mean, we did put a lot of time and energy into it, but I don't think either of us would have thought we were going on tour someday yeah you know? we right. saw it as like a, a hobby for ourselves and then it kind of took off it was a hobby for ourselves and we had the hopes that one day right. it might take off but we didn't expect that at all our bar was pretty low and i think that's been really helpful too. just like be as far as being grounded and as far as like you know being in it for the fun of it rather than trying to make this like a successful venture right. from the start yeah i remember the first time we somebody tweeted us who i didn't recognize and i texted them and said do you know this person and they were like no and i was like this is the first stranger that who listens, listens to our to show, our show. <laughs> and from there it's still been like surprising every level of you know people either recognizing us or right. that kind of thing it just, just still just as exciting yeah amazing and you won the Webby Award for comedy podcast last year. Did that change the way you now approach the podcast? I don't think, I don't so. think so either. <laughs> I think I think the reason we won a Webby was because we were because of how the show already was. So I don't think we felt the need to change the format up at all. I think people like that we're just friends, kind of bantering to each other. And yeah, I think um, it made us feel very humbled, very proud. We were yeah. very taken aback. And I mean that we won the People's Choice Award, which means you know our listeners were the ones who voted for us. So it felt really it felt really special that people were that supportive and that engaged that they you know yeah. got us to that point basically. So. Just made us want to keep going. I yeah. guess. We do yeah. have our little engraved webbies that sometimes we move around our house to display. <laughs> other than that, the podcast is pretty much the same. Right. So keeping the humility. Yeah, <laughs> we try. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite episode so far? Well, you know, we always think about this and I feel like my answer always changes just because yeah. depending on what we've recently were talking about or. Yeah, I think some of my favorites that I've covered are the ones where M doesn't necessarily know the twist or the ending so like um gypsy rose like the uh, dd blanchard the was a munchausen's by proxy story and there's a twist at the end where i was like and she wasn't sick the whole time and right. she you know so it's fun for me to like kind of uh because we don't know each other's stories before we start the episode uh -huh. so i like the ones where there's a, a twist She's also forgetting that her favorite episode is one where she found lemon. So, oh, well, that's true. Um, I mean, but I thought that was a given. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite, I, I really like the episodes about the haunted dolls I cover, which is ironic because they're arguably the most dangerous episodes because they've even come with content warnings, I think, one or two of them. Truly. Just because the, I'm not going to say the names of the dolls because people apparently have even, even people who interview us have had trouble like, like editing their show Technical difficulties so. and we will not put wow. that on you. Right. So. But uh, there are dolls that when you mention their full name, even if you just hear it, we've had people tweet us after that episode saying they got in car crashes and they got really sick or they have nosebleeds. So wow. it's really strange. Yeah. And I mean, and that's my favorite episode. Yeah. So. Oh my God, I don't know if I ever want to <laughs> listen to that again, but those are the ones that get the most like response and engagement just because they're kind of the scariest. So yeah. I guess those are our favorites yeah i mean does this stuff scare you you know when you go to sleep at night do you i mean do you ever kind of you know have a little trouble sleeping 
Yes. <laughs> I mean, I do, especially covering true crime. I feel like it sometimes gets to you. And, you know, we were recording, I think, four episodes this week. So I feel like I've been just entrenched in murder all week. Yeah. Um, so it definitely does. We, ha we have found ways, I think, to kind of, you know, step back and watch other things or, um, you know, find humor and things. But yeah, sometimes it, sometimes it gets to me. I, I don't lose sleep, but I'm definitely more hyper aware of like creaks in the floor. <laughs> like if I'm alone and I think I hear something, I just assume everything's a ghost now. And it's probably my actual roommate walking through the the apartment. So. Yeah, we're a little more paranoid, I guess. Wow. Yes, it's definitely brought up the paranoia. <laughs> I can see the need for the booze or the drinks. Yes, yeah. thank you. See, now you, you get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's next on the horizon for the podcast? Well, you know, I feel like we had it all planned out like everyone else did. And then suddenly <laughs> the global pandemic decided to throw things up yeah. in the air. It's so. a bold question during a pandemic. <laughs> I, <laughs> who's to say? Who's to say? Uh, we, we had plans. I mean, at least we had uh, finishing out our tour. And we also had plans that somewhere in the middle of our tour, we would start working on our next tour coming out, yeah. which was a very far into the future plan. But we had a lot of plans of things we were going to do. And I think we have a lot of projects now having been, you know, stuck inside without vitamin D and human contact for so long <laughs> that we've developed a lot of projects that we're finally starting to kind of get excited about and build up, but nothing, you know, really concrete yet, I guess. Right. Um, but a lot of ideas. A lot of ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we're definitely, we're definitely, you know, keeping going. We're trying to make our YouTube, you know, more active and keep filming the episodes. And yeah, I mean, just trying to keep things, keep things alive during this very scary time, I guess. Yeah, that's, that sounded very on brand for 2020. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> right. oh. oh, boy. Well, um, this was really fun. Uh, em and Christine, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, this was great. Thank you so much. We always love an excuse to talk about ourselves. Yes. So I appreciate it. <laughs>
developed by Yale University, which every employee will participate in. And the company's commitment to innovation seems to be paying dividends. According to the group, over 2.5 billion pounds of avocados are consumed every year in the US alone. The number one company on the list is the American Lebanese Syrian Associated Charities and St. Jude's Hospital. The Al-Sac was founded back in 1957 by the entertainer Danny Thomas. Since then, it has raised money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and helped the survival rate for childhood cancer patients skyrocket from 20% to 80%. One of the keys to their fundraising success was the brainchild of Zach Witten, a developer at Alsac. Zach wanted to tap into the industry of video gaming. The idea was to broadcast professional gamers from around the world and to solicit small donations from followers during a live stream. The program brought in $500,000 in its first year and over $26 million in total to help fight childhood cancer. Next up, we'll hear from our favorite recommender, Fast Company senior staff writer Liz Segrin on her top fitness picks of the week. The quarantine has really done a number on my fitness routine. Before all of this started, I was an Orange Theory gym rat. I would go to the gym three or four times a week, get a really powerful hour-long workout in, and I felt great. But since the quarantine began, I haven't been able to go to the gym and I've really struggled to find other fitness routines that get me in as good shape as I was before all of this. I've also noticed that my weight has sort of been creeping up, been drinking a lot of wine, eating a lot of cheese to get me through this period, and that provided some extra motivation to try and stay fit during this time. I've been really intrigued by a new machine that's on the market called Tempo. It's kind of like Peloton or Mirror, but it's specifically designed for people who like cross-training workouts like Orange Theory or Barry's Bootcamp or CrossFit. The first thing that I noticed about it is that it is a beautiful piece of hardware. It is a gorgeous machine that fits beautifully inside anybody's home, and it is loaded with all of the weights that you'll need to do a full body weight workout. The other cool thing about it is that you can do a live class and your name will appear on a leaderboard with everybody else around the country who is joining that class with you. That allows you to feel connected to other people at this time of disconnection and also adds a little bit of a competitive edge that you might get when you're actually in a gym. But if you don't want to do a live class, there are tons of pre-recorded classes in there that range from uh, weight training to aerobics to uh, stretching out and relaxation. But what's even more convenient about it is that I don't have to drive to the studio to get the workout. I can get up in the morning, put on some clothes and do a 15 to 20 minute workout before anybody else in the house wakes up. The other cool thing about it is that there is AI technology built into the system that looks at your form while you're working out and gently corrects you when you're out of alignment. So if you're lifting a weight in a way that might harm you, the machine will gently nudge you to correct your form. And I found that really helpful because that's the kind of guidance that you're looking for when you go to a real gym. 
The other thing that keeps me really motivated to work out is having really comfortable workout gear. And lately I found a great brand called Bandier that has created an entire line of workout gear that is perfectly designed for quarantine life. Since most of us are at home, we want our workout gear to be comfortable so that we can go from working out to making breakfast to looking after our kids. We don't want too much compression. And so that's why I love All Access by Bandier. They have launched an entirely new line that is perfectly designed for my quarantine life. It allows me to get up in the morning, do my workout, feel supported, and then just continue my day. It sounds a little silly, but having new workout gear to wear really motivates me to want to keep trying hard to stay fit. During the quarantine, it's so easy to spend all our time at home on our computers working. And I found it really important to, to get outside and be in nature as much as possible. And the thing that really motivated me to do that was getting a Fitbit. Just having the Fitbit on my wrist reminds me to get up throughout the day, get some exercise, take a few steps. And in fact, every hour, my Fitbit sends me a little reminder, a little buzz that reminds me that I need to get off my butt, walk around a bit, not be so sedentary. And I think that that's really helping me during this time when I am just so homebound. The Fitbit is also connected to a really great app that allows me to track what I'm eating during the day. It also allows me to track how many calories I'm burning, um, what my heart rate is. And all of that is just giving me a lot of really good data about my general overall fitness. Ever since I started working out again and incorporating all of these things into my life to keep me motivated, I have felt so much happier and healthier. And I think that even though it's a really tough time for all of us right now, because we're so homebound and sedentary, anything that we can do to boost our happiness levels is absolutely worth it. That's it for this week. Fast Break was produced by Avery Miles. Be sure to check in with us next week for another roundup of helpful tips and creative ideas to stay positive throughout this challenging time. You can subscribe to Fast Break on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you like this show, please leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for joining us. I'm Talib Vizran. <laughs>